close by the end of the week where it'll all end. Had a fantastic Holy Ghost day yesterday. Incredible messages, incredible presence of God. Uh, and we welcome you to the 2009 Bible Conference. Yeah. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting there uh, listening to the choir. And I'm thinking to myself that uh, the incredible opportunity that's at the fingertips of this generation, perhaps like no generation that's ever lived. We very likely, most likely, could be the last generation. The generation that God promised He's going to pour out His Spirit incredibly. And so I, I encourage you this week in prayer and to open your heart and believe God. Can you imagine our fellowship? We'd all just, just go for it. Whatever capacity God's called us. Incredible harvest that we can see across the, the, the land and the nations hearing reports from workers, and we'll, we'll hear many this week, but it's just incredible what God is doing from India to Africa and, and points in between. So I encourage you this week to be in prayer. I encourage you to open your heart. I encourage you like never before. Ask God, God, what would you have? Genesis chapter 15 this evening, one of the great words of the Bible is covenant. One scholar said covenant is the heart of the Bible because it reflects the heart of God. The word covenant is a word that defines relationships. It labels, categorizes relationships with God's people and God and each other. If you understand anything, you understand that you were created to have relationship with God. God in the natural arena doesn't need you and I. He doesn't need our intellect. There's nothing you and I can really do for God but love and obey Him. But God valued you so highly, your relationship, that when that relationship was shattered and lost in the garden long ago, God gave His only Son to get it back. Jesus one time summed the Word of God up. Two commandments. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, body, mind, and soul and your neighbor as yourself. But this is dependent upon covenant. This word some 300 times in the Old Testament, 33 times in the New Testament. The marriage covenant. 
the word testament, ark of the covenant, the laws of covenant, the new covenant, the Lord's Supper. And one of the texts was Jeremiah 50, verse 5. Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. This is who God is this evening. His nature is covenant. And this needs to be desperately understood in this generation that you cannot violate covenant without horrible consequences with God and His people. I want to minister this evening on covenant or cursed. Genesis 15, verse number 1. Very familiar about Abraham. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? The heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring, indeed one born in my house is my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. One who I will, will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. He believed in the Lord. He accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ark of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know I will inherit it? Lord said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, turtle dove, a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and he cut them in two down the middle and he placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcass, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation." Whom they serve, I will judge afterward. They shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. In the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Listen to these words. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark. Behold, there appeared a smoking flax or oven or torch, a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land. And then he begins to give a geographic location. Father, we come by the blood this evening. God, we thank you for your hand and grace upon these people. 
God, we ask that you would stir hearts tonight. God, give us revelation. Open our eyes that we may see as you see. God, give us the nations, every kindred, every tongue, every tribe, every people. God, I pray every congregation here, you would open heaven's windows and bring incredible fruitfulness. Raise up men, O oh God, whose hearts burn for you. We commit all this week to you, O oh God, in the glory of your name. Amen. I'd like to examine first with you call to covenant. Because here is a man named Abraham, and he had relationship with God. In other words, he had heard the voice of God. He had seen God. He wasn't ignorant concerning the living God. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, verse 7 of chapter, To your descendants I will give this lamb. There he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. So here's a man, God's appearing to him. This word means he has, he's able to perceive. It means to have experience with God or God to be revealing to him. He's building altars. He's hearing from God. 13.4 To the place of the altar which he had made at first, there Abram called on the name of the Lord God. 13.18 He built an altar there to the name of the Lord. So here is a man who has relationship and experience with God and now God is beginning to move on Abraham's behalf. The Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. You know this, God is protecting this man's seed because he has divine purpose in store for a child that is not even yet born. God has given him victory. God has defended him. God is revealing himself to him. He has an encounter. Chapter 14, verse 22, with the king of Sodom, Melchizedek, the king of Salem as well. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I raise my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, Melchizedek came out. He gave him tithe of all. So here is a man. My point is, he's hearing from God. God is moving in his behalf. There's altars. There's tithing. There's victory. There's blessing. He has relationship. He has promises, insight, and experiences. And so much of the church world. This is the end of the story. But you see, at this point, Abraham is going to move into another dimension. He has vision. Chapter 15, verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. 
So now he's moved to protection and blessing. And again, multitudes, they may get to this point and they stop here. God, of the multitude of prayers, protect me and bless me. God, I want to know you. And they have a vision, but does their vision move beyond prosperity and blessing and protection? But here we hear the cry of a man that moves the heart of God into another dimension that you and I must enter into if we're going to see revival and a great flood of fruitfulness in our generation. Because God cannot deny this cry. Because here is what's going to ignite covenant. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me Seeing I go childless. God, what good is all of this if I'm barren? If my ministry is unfruitful up? If my labors are in vain when it comes to humanity? What is all of this up? other curriculum up, all of this activity, all of this wealth, all of this material, flocks and herds and words and all. What good is it if I cannot see fruitfulness of humanity? The souls of men and women. I'm barren. God, I must birth life. I want to tell you, a passion for souls, this is what's made our fellowship. This is what possesses Pastor Mitchell. This is the motivation behind the discipleship, the church planting, world evangelism, uh, all that's involved in our covenant. Um, But I want to tell you, this makes you and I a candidate for a covenant with God. And every man and woman in this place has to cut your own covenant with God. It's Moses saying, God, if you destroy this people, destroy me first, made him a candidate to lead a multitude. It's Paul. I'd gladly give my life if it would save my own countrymen. It's Jesus I came to seek and to save that which is lost In verse number 5, then he brought him outside and he said, Look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. You see, God cannot covenant with the carnal. God will not covenant with the indifferent. He will not covenant with the self-indulgence. I'm not talking about perfection, but I'm talking about this casual mentality about the precious souls of humanity. God cannot covenant with flesh. Jeremiah, his heart is crying out for his nation. Jeremiah 9 verse 1, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes were a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. Psalms 126, 6, He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Let me ask you, 
is your passion for the souls of humanity still the consuming and driving force of your heart? God, give me souls, lest I die. This is the heart of covenant. This is the foundation for ministry. God is moved by Abraham here. And he begins to reassure him. It has to do with land, dominion, in geographic areas, in the earth. And it has to do with humanity or people. And so God says, listen Abraham, I've heard you. Let me reassure you. Your servant is not going to be the heir of your house. You and Sarah are going to birth. Count the stars if you can. And then Abraham throws it back. God how shall I know Lord I believe but how shall I know God's response is we're going to cut covenant I'm going to make this bond this oath it's going to be sealed with blood and sacrifice forever This is God's nature. This is God's heart. This is what seals this incredible promise. You see, the blood covenant is Jesus says, All that I have is yours. I laid down my life. I sacrificed my life. And all that I bring to the table is yours. But in return, the Lord says, If I ask you for anything, I expect you to give it to me. Luke 22, 20, Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So if I could impress on you this evening, here is the living God, here is the Lord in this place tonight. And he says, I gave my life. I shed my blood for you. I gave everything I have. But in return, if I ask anything of you, I expect you to give it to me. I want to examine some components of covenant. Flesh always has to pay a price for covenant. It's inescapable. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundations of the world. The ram caught in the thicket uh, as Abraham takes his only son. And Jehovah Jireh, the Lord himself, shall provide. When they came out of Egypt, they came out by the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. The Passover. We could talk about salvation. We could talk about the cross and the innocent blood and redemption and the price was paid. But my focus this evening is on a price you and I must pay for covenant. So he said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and and a pigeon, and I want you to split these in two. And Abraham brought all these to him, and he cut them in two down the middle. This tells me there's things we must bring to covenant. There's things we have to sacrifice if we're going to cut covenant with God. Sometimes it's our talents, it's giftings, possessions, 
Well, anything I own, my life, who I am, whatever would make me feel independent from God. Jesus said, likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. But if you follow this on through in chapter 17 of Genesis, uh, there's a powerful truth. Um, He's speaking to Abram over and over. He's speaking to Abram. And he says, my covenant is between me and you. My covenant, my covenant, everlasting covenant. And then here he gives us a revelation uh, of how we partake and the personal price. 17 verse 10, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And no doubt you've heard sermons. I'm not preaching anything you haven't heard. I'm simply trying to impress on you uh, if you're going to cut covenant with God, your flesh has to be sacrificed. Your flesh must be cut. We're talking about covenant with God and with His people. There's this personal, it's private. You could call it the pride of life. It's interesting to me the cutting took place where we are productive or where we reproduce, where fruitfulness stems from. But if you're going to cut covenant with God, the pride of life, your personal ambitions, our selfish agendas, which we all have and they're so easily to accumulate, must be cut and self hates and despises covenant with God and God's people. Hell knows how potent and powerful it is. The private must be cut. These private issues of the heart, prejudice, bitterness, envies and jealousies, offenses, I'm not being treated right, Paul in Romans speaks of, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. Jeremiah 4, 4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. Um, In other words, there's things that you're going to have to cut this week um, if you're going to enter into this divine place uh, where God says, um, I'm going to speak fruitfulness into your life and I'm going to speak dominion into your life. Listen to me, preacher and church. There's far more to fruitfulness than just labor and we must labor you know we believe in labor but listen here is a man and God is speaking over him and God says listen this is going to seal it this is critical this covenant is going to seal fruitfulness and dominion let me ask you what privately do you need to cut this week You need to cut that which is all about you. Sometimes it's our comfort zones, it's our security, self-pity, all of our excuses, our blaming, building our case, 
all of our lives, especially those that we speak to ourselves, we cannot defend our flesh and have covenant with God. Self, that which breeds rebellion, that which breeds strife and discord, all of that must be cut in the flesh. And right here is the place where God says, I'll change your name and your nature. Abram is going to be changed to Abraham. From father to a father of many nations and a multitude. 17.5, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. Listen to what God said. God says if I can find a man uh, to cut covenant with, I will make. This is beyond any, anything we can do. This is beyond any talent. This is beyond sweat and hard labor. This is beyond any mechanics. God says, listen, if I can find a man who will give me his heart and cut his flesh, I will make you. God says, I don't care what the world says or the insane religious world, the circus that's out there. I don't care. Pastor Ron Meyer was preaching Sunday morning. They got a website on him. And um, someone tried to uh, come and they said, said, listen, you know, you can't use those kind of words from the pulpit. You can't say that and et cetera. And he said, I beg your pardon. And this lady, she's trying to give him, she's, she wasn't, she's trying to be gracious. And she said, that's, that's just totally unacceptable in this world today. If you're going to build a church or do anything, uh, you, you can't be that way. You can't be controversial. Lady, have you read the book? You can't read this book without being controversial. You can't read about Paul's ministry or Peter or Jeremiah or Jesus Christ himself without realizing we are controversy. God deliver us from the insipid, compromising, weak, generic Christianity that floods our generation. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to make you. And this was a visible sign that the flesh had been cut. See, our fellowship, we have standards for ministry. This is our physical and visible covenant. You know, the very thing that marked them for God was a mark that the world hated and made them a target for incredible persecution, the Jews. The circumcision, no man, I mean, the whole Nazi Germany, Hitler, the Arab world, I mean, it's unending today. This mark that God said, 
you're going to be circum. Every male child is going to be circumcised. That's my mark on you. And, and the world is outraged. This is a visible sign. We have standards of righteousness. Thank God. I want to tell you, all this insane Facebook and MySpace and Twiggy and Twitter and whatever the latest thing is. Uh, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. You're wanting to reconnect with your uh, past? God wants to deliver you from your past. That's why He saved you. That's why He saved you. You know, it'd be really nice if you'd connect with that new convert that's sitting couple of seats down from you. Instead of spending hours trying to, listen, if, you, if you're not careful, throw your name out to the world. There'll be someone from the past come looking for you. covenant will always have to be defended Abraham he lays this sacrifice before God and the Bible says in verse 11 when the vultures came down Abram drove them away listen any covenant you cut with God and God's people will have to be defended because the demonic these vultures, no doubt you've preached on it. The demonic hates covenant because hell knows the potency and the power of it. What's given our fellowship such impact in the earth? Some over 1,600 churches. Not is our high flying, not our, our uh, promotionals, um, uh, not our exposure through the medium and, and all of the insanity and the seeker-friendly and, and yuck, yuck, yuck. It's un- you know what is good? Is one will chase a thousand. Two in covenant will chase ten thousand. It's like this choir tonight. It's men. Men that have come from the streets. Men that have, have reputations that they're walking away from by the blood of Jesus um, crimes that are under the blood um, it's women uh, who were broken and, and living in sin and shame and iniquity and Jesus forgave them um, and they, they don't have great educations many times they're not filled with personality but God says I don't need that what I need is a heart uh, and a flesh that's cut uh. These vultures, these birds of prey, sometimes in the form of people inspired by hell, came down and tried to steal that which represented covenant to God. Listen, hell will always try to come and take away your loyalties and your faithfulness and your commitments. You've made commitments and covenants of sacrifice and submission 
and trust, headship, love of the fellowship. All of these, these, these vultures of carnality and envy. God, I'll go anywhere. I'll lay down my life, God. Somewhere a demon will come along. Say, oh yeah, look at so-and-so. They're not laying down their life. Don't let hell ever try to discredit your obedience to God and the sacrifices you've laid on his altar. These demonic spirits will come and try to sow discord and rebellion. Covenant must survive and be protected and defended. Also, there are seasons of darkness, discouragement. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror, great darkness fell upon him. Seasons of barrenness, seasons when things aren't going well. It didn't turn out the way you planned. You thought it was going to be this way. Or seasons of trial or offenses or misunderstandings uh, and depression comes. Uh, Here he is. Everything's dark now. So at this point, do you throw away covenant? I've seen many right here in a difficult time. You can't see. There's no answers. Seems like nobody cares what's the use hardships Ephesians 6 12 the Bible says we wrestle against the rulers of darkness those demonic powers that come and bring confusion and what once used to be so clear and so simple now it's all distorted uh, and it's unstable uh, hell wants your covenant Your covenant must also survive relatives. Sometimes those of your own house, sometimes parents. Moses, you've heard me preach this a number of years ago, his wife, Zipporah, she fought the covenant. Exodus 4.24, it came to pass on the way at the encampment. The Lord met him and sought to kill him. Talking about Moses. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone cut off the foreskin of her sons and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you're a husband of blood to me. So God let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood to me because of the circumcision. I've seen wives become the greatest hindrance to the man's covenant with God and with God's people. Here's this woman fighting him threatening him no doubt even trying to manipulate what his God has called him to do most of you heard Pastor Mitchell's many of you heard Pastor Mitchell he preached two classic sermons Monday night of conference and Friday night and I want to just throw this out probably the greatest man you'll ever know in your life is Pastor Wayman Mitchell uh, you you probably aren't old enough to realize or understand that, but when you start measuring what people have done for God and eternity measures, 
you'll probably recognize this is this is the greatest man that I've ever known by far as far as God's hand upon him and accomplishment for God. I preached Friday night and he talked about um, being in Australia for six months. And he said, the leaders know this, and I knew this personally. We had several conversations. He said, I can't do it. And he, he preached this in the sermon. He said, I, I, I emotionally, mentally, I can't go over there. I don't have the strength. He, he'll be 80 years old here in a few months. He told me one day, he said, Joe, I just can't do it. I said, you've got to, Pastor. Nobody can do what you can do. You're, you're desperately needed there. You, 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 you must go. If it's only for six months or a year, and and he just said, I can't, I can't, I, I can't sleep. I haven't been able to sleep for months. I've been tormented. I've been assaulted. And he shares this Friday night at conference, and he makes this statement. He says, I'm, I'm not talking about false humility. He said, listen, it was the prayers of God's people. Anything that God has done in Australia, it was the prayers of God's people. And you remember... Everywhere I went, every conference, every rally, every I would always, before every sermon, I would ask everyone to pray for Pastor Mitchell. And he was asked, please, he said, Joe, everywhere you go, please ask the people to pray for me. That's covenant. That's covenant. That is covenant. And what's interesting to me, because I was, I was intimately involved in all the dynamics this man in Australia that walked away, I had some conversations with him and etc. He probably wouldn't have left the fellowship. He probably would have done right if not for his wife. Behind the scenes. You have to ask, why wasn't Moses' son circumcised? Pastor, you have an obligation before God to make sure your spiritual sons are circumcised and cut into covenant. Not just with you and not just with God, but with fellowship. My covenant shall be in your flesh, 1713, for an everlasting covenant. My covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Let me ask you, Pastor, are you bringing the cutting of covenant to the men and the families in your church? Not just to you, but to the brethren and the fellowship as a whole. Pastor Mitchell, you're in an area and, and there you, you cut covenant uh, and you understand the value of this and the incredible weight of it and the responsibility of it. It'll be covenant or cursed. And this, I feel, is one of the grave misunderstandings of this generation. 
how sacred this is with God. Today, the covenant of marriage has been trashed. I mean, in the sports world, forget covenant. Politicians, forget covenant. Right? Even in the church world. See, God came down right up the middle of covenant. His presence is critically dependent upon covenant. It came to pass when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, there appeared a smoking oven or a burning torch that passed between those pieces. His fire, His favor, His revelation. Remember, dominion and fruitfulness is going to come out of this. Moses is going to deliver Israel. Think of this. And without covenant he can't even deliver himself he's laying in the tent floor dying he's going God has called him to demonstrate God's power in the affairs of humanity this is beyond theology this is beyond just knowing what to do this is the power and grace and favor of a living God to accomplish and here is Moses called on his way to break the yoke of Egypt. And he finds himself sick, dying in the tent floor. He can't even defend himself. I want to say to you, preacher, when you violate covenant, one day you'll be like Samson. You'll shake yourself as times before and know not the Spirit of God is departed. You won't be able to defend yourself. Used to, with the jawbone of a donkey, you could slay thousands. But when God and covenant is violated, and that's what he did, he violated the Nazarite vows, and he couldn't even defend himself. Joshua at the borders of their inheritance. Joshua 5, 2. That time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. All the males that have been in the wilderness. And after that, they had a vision of the commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, if you don't covenant, there's a curse. Simply, God not with you anymore. Sometimes it comes seemingly so quickly. Other times it seems to come gradually. Mikhail preached Sunday night, classic sermon, powerful sermon. Had people come and say, Pastor, is this the same guy we launched two years ago? the power of being a missionary but he mentioned in his sermon last night about 2 Samuel 6 here is Azza you know the story David is bringing the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem and this man simply touched it 
and God killed him on the spot. It's almost beyond comprehension. It rocked, and, and we know, and, and he preached some on this and talked about it was designed to be carried by men. But I wonder if there's not a lesson for us there. You know, there's some things that are so sacred with God that it, you and I, if we're not careful in the throes of life, we totally miss it. He just touched the Ark of Covenant. And God said, I don't want you touching that. And he fell over dead. Let me ask you this evening. Are you a man of covenant? Sometimes it seems like this almost instant. Other times, have a letter here. It's a very interesting letter. It's actually written to Pastor Mitchell. As a man that I used to have a lot of relationship with. I was there when this man got saved. I had a, Actually, he came and got me, and I'm standing outside uh, talking to him and got to pray with him. He went on in the ministry, missionary, and et cetera. And in 1990, he broke covenant. Now, we're, we're talking years down the road. Listen, we've learned a lot in the last 20 or so years. It's been very difficult for us to maintain the vision and to keep any momentum. Because I launched two churches, but they couldn't make a go of it. Thank you. And there's many other things, but I don't want to go into it. Thank you, Pastor Mitchell, for your influence on our lives. And I read that with agony because I knew this man very personally. And the agony was, I wonder, I mean, and you read it, and I'm not, I'm not going to read it all, and et cetera. But bleeding through this is, I would to God, I could put the last 20 years back in the bottle and start over. Bleeding through that, is there any way, is there any way now that I... But in my mind, when I saw that, and I read that, I thought, you know, it didn't have to be that way. I'm thinking here's 19, 20 years. My God, what could this man be doing today? I'm talking about a gifted man. I'm talking about a good man. I'm, I'm talking about a man, to my knowledge, has had no moral problems. I'm talking about a man who could preach. I'm not talking about an evil man in that sense at all. I'm talking about a man who simply in the throes of life and in relation and, and in, 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 in offense and, and whether imagined or reeled in words and somewhere he said, I'm out of here. And he didn't fight and he didn't defend. And here 19, 20 years down the road, What about you this evening? It says in Jeremiah in the conference brochure a perpetual generation to generation covenant that must not be forgotten. 
we could talk about Jonathan and David and Jonathan and his armor bearer and, and, and all the dynamics of the new. 120 people come out of that upper room. Think of this as I close. 120 people. You ever wonder why they had to spend so many days in there? I wonder sometimes, one of the things in eternity I want to ask God, or if I can speak to Peter or some of these, I'd love to have the privileges. What went on these 10 days or so? And I almost wonder if they, they weren't resolving conflicts and issues and praying and God cutting flesh. And remember, who's going to be greatest? Remember, we're going to be greatest? Remember all this stuff? And, and Peter, and I'm wondering if they're in there, but when they come out, I'm telling you, the fire of God was on them and 120 revolutionized the world. I say that to say this. Do you realize the potential in this building tonight and what's represented here? And many of our workers, a lot of our workers internationally that can't be here and churches represented. Do you realize the potential? If we'd simply say, you know what, God, I'm going to covenant with you, with our brethren, our fellowship, and I'm going to cut the flesh. I'm going to cut the foreskin of my heart. I'm challenging you this week. Anything that would interfere, anything that would callous itself against covenant, I challenge you in these next few days, fill these altars and cut it. Cut it by the blood and the spirit and the word and repentance. Would you bow your head with me this evening?